This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hello and welcome to week two of the college football season and another episode of the Buck Nuts Happy Hour. Thanks for joining us here today to, uh, to talk a little Buckeyes and, and some other stuff. Uh, as at, to start off with, uh, this show is this show of the Buck Nuts Happy Hour, sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever find that just as you're trying to fall asleep, your brain suddenly won't stop talking? Do your thoughts start racing right before bed or at other inopportune moments? It turns out one great way to make those racing thoughts go away is to talk them through. Therapy gives you a place to do that so you can get out of your negative thought cycles and find some mental and emotional peace. I can say from uh, personal experience, especially with with what I do covering Ohio State and and kind of all the... uh, all the stuff that goes on with that, I often find myself laying in bed at night just thinking about stuff I have to do the next day, whether it be work stuff, personal stuff, what needs to get done. So being able to talk through that stuff is really a, a great way to, to kind of get that out of my head, let me get some sleep. Therapy empowers you to be a better version of yourself, something most of us are trying to achieve. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be confidential, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Bucknuts today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Bucknuts. And thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring this show. I am Patrick Murphy. Here for another episode of the Bucknuts Happy Hour. I'm trying to go to the gym after this, so I do have a white claw, a pineapple white claw here for uh, our drink today, but nothing too crazy. It's uh, it's a Friday, but my Friday is going to start a little bit later today. So we're going to start off talking, um, looking ahead, really, and, and talking about Michigan with Youngstown State this week. I figure let's look ahead to some of the more meaningful games. We already did that preseason, talking about Notre Dame. And then we'll dive into some Youngstown State stuff, uh, talking about what we expect from the Buckeyes, what needs to happen from the Buckeyes on Saturday to feel good coming out of this game this weekend. Um, And then I have a new little segment I'm going to do at the end. If you have any 
questions about the Buckeyes you'd like answered, feel free to throw them in the comment section. I'll remind people throughout. If you're watching this live, we'll try to answer some of those. But let's get into it and let's start our Michigan talk. We're bringing in Alejandro Zunega from our the Michigan Insider, 247 Sports Michigan site. Alejandro and I do a weekly short show uh, for, for their site where we talk about what's going on with the Buckeyes. So Alejandro is kind enough to join me and, and we'll talk a little Michigan. How you doing, Alejandro? I'm doing great. Happy Friday, man. I, uh, I can't get started as early as you do, um, but I've got a water, so that counts for something. There you go. <laughs> yeah, this, uh, if, if I just take this slow, I should be all right. Um, we'll see. It's a noon game tomorrow for the Buckeyes, so nothing too crazy on a Friday night, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll still try and have a few. Anyway, let's get into it. I want to start before the season. Obviously, Michigan, back-to-back. Big Ten championships, they've beaten Ohio State two straight times, but losing both times in the college football playoff semifinal. So as you kind of looked into this season, maybe in June, July, August, what were kind of your thoughts on on what needed to happen for Michigan this year? What are the expectations for this team coming into the season? I think big picture, if you were to, to pull Michigan fans, if you were to, I mean, even talk to the team, it feels like this is the year, right? in what's happened at the Michigan football program over the last two seasons. And you go back to 2020, 2020 was a disaster. Michigan went two and four. It's a year that anyone associated with the program would like to forget. Uh, But over the last two seasons, the level of expectation for Michigan and the level of their success has obviously shot through the roof. Right. And it feels like it's all come together this year to where Michigan, not only are they entering the season with Big Ten championship aspirations, but it almost feels like, unlike last year and certainly in 21, like Michigan's the favorites to win the Big Ten this year. They've proven it in back-to-back seasons. And on top of that, they've lost in the college football playoff, you know, in the semifinals the last two seasons, but it feels like the pieces are there that this year they could win that game and that they could compete for a national championship. And I think the reasons for that are, you know, they're multifaceted. Um, Of course, when you're talking about a national championship, so much has to go right for that to happen. State fans know that as well as anybody, Uh, but you need good health. You need, you know, the schedule has to break in your favor. You need some bounces to go your way in football games. But then when it comes to personnel, like Michigan has one of the better quarterbacks, certainly one of the better quarterbacks in the big 10, Michigan fans would say one of the better quarterbacks in the country with experience returning in JJ McCarthy has a lot of players who considered the NFL, such as Blake Corum, you know, your Cornelius Johnson, the Zach Zinter and Trevor Keegan on the offensive line, they returned. So it feels like the talent is there. The opportunity is there just looking around the conference, looking around the country. And it's just putting all those pieces together that, you know, Michigan fans expect to be competing in Indianapolis for Big Ten Championship, and they do expect to be back in the college football playoff this year. How big of a shift what you just said there, the competing for expecting to be in Indy, expecting to be in the playoff, how big of a shift is it? You mentioned that 2020 season, but even before that, I mean, it seemed from an outside perspective, from my perspective, you know, it was was kind of resigned to the fact for, for several years there that regardless of where the game is, the end of the year, Michigan's probably going to lose to Ohio State even in the good years, it was, okay, hope to beat Ohio State. Is that kind of the read, and has that shifted as much as it seems? Yeah, I think that's spot on. It's kind of beyond – 2021 was a fever dream for Michigan fans in so many ways, right? It was – you know, Ohio State fans, I'm sure, remember this, but there were significant questions about Jim Harbaugh's future at the University of Michigan after the 2020 season – And it wasn't just like a, oh, this coach might not work out. But like when it's Jim Harbaugh, like Jim Harbaugh was supposed to be the guy, right? It kind of feels like what Scott Frost was supposed to be at at Nebraska, where it's like, this is the prodigal son returning. You know, this is the alum. This is the guy who's had success elsewhere. So if this guy can't get it done at Michigan, you know, if Jim Harbaugh can't get it done at Michigan, maybe the reality is that that Michigan is always going to be kind of the underdog in, in the Ohio state rivalry, maybe Michigan isn't the program that can expect to be competing for big 10 championships consistently anymore. Um, so 2021 was 
it, yeah, like I said, it was a fever dream. It was just that that Ohio State game, the way it all came together. I don't think anyone believed it was real until the clock read all zeros, uh, because there have been you know so many times in the recent past even where it's felt like Michigan had a chance and it got you know it got ripped away. And you know a, a lot of it, of course, Michigan fans are gonna are gonna point to Jim Harbaugh, and a lot of the focus uh, across the country is always on Jim Harbaugh. Um, but it really, it goes, it goes back to the players. Right. And I was thinking about this last night, watching Aiden Hutchinson, uh, for the Detroit lions, you know, making a huge impact in that NFL opener against the Kansas city chiefs is that, you know, Aiden Hutchinson is a Michigan football legend and deservedly so, but I, I don't think he gets enough credit even among Michigan fans for how much he as an individual pushed the program forward. Um, because certainly after the 2020 season, Michigan, you know, they fired a lot of coaches. They brought in a lot of younger coaches. You know, Jim Harbaugh kind of reinvented the program. Um, but so much of that was player driven. And so much of that was Aiden Hutchinson and Hassan Haskins and Josh Ross, you know, and, and a bunch of other leaders on that 21 team that have changed the trajectory of a program from, you know, just a huge question mark and maybe resigned to always uh, to, to losing, you know, eight out of 10 years to Ohio State to all of a sudden, you know, we could, we, Michigan could take over this, this rivalry and, you know, set it in a different direction for a few years. Yeah. It, it really occurred to me looking back after that 2021 game, when we were in Indianapolis for big 10 media days that year, the Michigan players talking about how the, the focus had shifted. They were doing specific things, you know, beat Ohio state periods and stuff like that, that, I think Ohio State had been doing for, for quite some time. Jim Tressel and, and Urban Meyer stressed that significantly. Um, but, you know, in, in retrospect, it seemed to me that that's kind of where the shift was. Obviously, you had to get to that game in the position to win the Big Ten and, and be in the college football playoff. But having that mentality changed, I, I think, is that is that how you would look at it, too? That, like, okay, we're not only going to think about beating Ohio State the week leading up to it, we're going to think about this all year and that kind of, elevates the entire program right yeah it's i yes and no i mean i i think if you go back to brady hoke you know brady hoke of course had massive respect for the ohio state game right sure. you know to the point where you know i they probably yell at me if i wore this to a press conference because uh, it's the color red and you know wouldn't say you know wouldn't say ohio state you just say ohio and you know that's yeah. something that's that's sort of carried on so it's and you know even with under the first few years under Jim Harbaugh, right? Like one of the really like iconic memories I have of when Jim Harbaugh was hired at Michigan is, you know, he participated in this, you know, cemetery walk the night before the first Ohio state game where Michigan fans traditionally would go to the graves of, you know, Bo Schembechler and other Michigan legends on campus. And, you know, it's sort of a way to pay respect. So it's not like, you know, it's not like there was never respect for the rivalry or, understanding that you know it's the most important game on the schedule every year um I, honestly i think it just came to a point where the michigan players got sick of losing and after the 2020 season well a in 2020 there were you know there were many players who sat out because it was the covid year it's very understandable but after that 2020 season there was a big shift both in coaches but also a lot of players transferred out and it sort of felt you know in retrospect what players have said is you know, the guys who, the guys who stuck around, the guys who were going to put in the work were the ones who, who were sick of losing and who were, you know, dedicated to changing the program for the better. And that's what happened. I, I, I don't think it's so much that all of a sudden, oh, holy crap, we play Ohio State at the end of the year. What a surprise. You know, they always knew that. that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's always been that way. Hopefully it'll always continue to be that way, but yeah. it was a, we're sick of losing and, and we, you know, we have the personnel to, to win this game. And, and finally, Michigan was able to pull it together and do it. And I think it took doing it. You know, you had to do it to prove you could. And they finally did. What about coming to Columbus last year and doing it there? I think that's a whole different story, right? Not only doing it and doing it twice, but doing it on the other team's home field. How much did that kind of enhance what you're saying that, that, you're really on a trajectory here, not just 
it was one year and, and now we're back to kind of how things were. Yeah, it was a, last year was prove it. Right. And, and that was, that was the preseason talk before the 2022 season was listen, so many people from Columbus from across, you know, it was like, you can, you can always beat a team once, right. You know, Appalachian state can come to the big house and beat Michigan. Are they going to do it? Actually, that's a, that's probably a bad example because Appalachian State played a great game, and Michigan <laughs> was totally unprepared for that. Um, but you know, upsets happen, right? And and it was you know maybe maybe Ohio State had the flu, maybe you know maybe the weather was so much worse than it looked. Maybe it was a blizzard. Who, who knows, right? Um, so and it was at home, and it was two talented teams. So so twenty twenty two was like prove it, you know if. If it's really true that you can win the Big Ten and reach the college football playoff running kind of like an NFL, like pro style, we're going to run the ball, we're going to go play action, and you know, we're going to trust that this defensive scheme can slow down the most potent offense in college football. You know, you could do it at home when the weather wasn't great and maybe the opponent wasn't at 100% health wise, you know, prove it on the road. And not only did they do that, they did so probably more convincingly. I mean, certainly the margin of victory was better. Um, it, it was, they, they proved it. So, so that's, you know, when I'm talking about that Michigan fans expect that they're making the college football playoff again this year, that's exactly the reason why is they've done it two years in a row against Ohio state. Uh, they, you know, they beat Penn state on the road in 21. They dominated Penn state at home last year. And you're just looking around the big 10 saying, okay, where are the returning quarterbacks? You know, where, where's the returning production at the level of Michigan? It's not there. And Michigan is the back-to-back big 10 champions. So like, right. What, why not? All right. So let's stop talking about the past before every <laughs> Ohio state fan gets sick. And, and no, this is, this is, this is great. I'm sure <laughs> your know, viewership numbers are through the roof right now, Patrick. Uh, let's look at this season. You talked about kind of the overall expectations if there was an area of concern you had coming into the season for this Wolverines team, what is it? And maybe I know we're only one week in, but like, how do you feel at this point? Yeah. I mean, I'll take the second question first, which is, I don't know. Um, okay. And that's, it, it's the unfortunate, uh, you know, self-inflicted somewhat uh, kind of, that's the reality of the last two years, right? Is that Michigan has not played a power five opponent in the non-conference season. Uh, so last year when Michigan went on the road to face Iowa, you know, in the Big Ten opener, it was like, a, okay, you've you faced, it was UConn, Colorado State, and Hawaii. Like, you just, you don't know. Um, and same this year, you know, Michigan, Michigan faced East Carolina last week. East Carolina was a team that lost so much and is really rebuilding its program. And they faced UNLV this week uh, and then Bowling Green next week. So, you know, Michigan's going to arrive at the Big Ten schedule with, not question marks, but just, you know, with the reality that they haven't really gone toe to toe with anyone who can compete with them physically, um, you know, from a personnel perspective. Um, so going into the season where the question marks were and where the question marks sort of remain uh, the corner position, you know, Michigan had a very talented freshman corner last year and Will Johnson, you know, five star for Michigan, he came on throughout the season, played very well against Ohio State, had two interceptions in the Big Ten Championship game against Purdue. Um, he returns this year, but he's been dinged up through fall camp. He did not play in the last game. Uh, and the second cornerback spot is sort of an open, at least through the offseason, was sort of an open question. You know, Michigan brought in a transfer from UMass, Josh Wallace, who had a very acrobatic near interception last game. But again, you know, he looks good against East Carolina. How's that gonna? How's that gonna continue throughout the season against better, more talented opponents? Right. Um, so, so that's number one. I'd say the corner spot. It's a bit of a question mark. Uh, from you know, Michigan is breaking in like a new third receiver uh, in Tyler Morris. Again, a guy who was dinged up through fall camp, didn't play in week one. Uh, and I think yeah, as Michigan is replacing Ronnie Bell, who was the team's leading receiver pretty sure three years, the last three years that he was healthy. Uh, it's not only replacing his receiving production, but the fact that he was an excellent outside blocker. And when you're looking at Michigan's starting receivers, Cornelius Johnson, Roman Wilson, and then a sophomore Tyler Morris, you know, you need, you need them to be 
above average blockers to do the sort of things that Michigan likes to do on the ground. That's something that didn't really, you know, the ground game didn't look that good against East Carolina, all things considered. I mean, East Carolina did stack the box, but it's still East Carolina. You expect Michigan to be able to, to run the ball with authority and they weren't able to do that. Um, so it's like, those are the sort of question marks that I have heading into this week, heading into, you know, Bowling Green next week. Um, Again, I don't know how well those are going to be answered, just given the level of competition. Mentioning that competition, just I wasn't going to ask you this, but since you brought it up, is Michigan scheduled to play anybody of of note in the future? Like, is that I haven't looked at their future schedules, but this just occurred to me. Did, yes, did it, it, it gets a lot more interesting very quickly. Okay, um, Texas. Uh, there's a home and home with Texas coming up, and that starts next year. Um, there was one with Oklahoma too. That one may have been canceled. I don't. I don't remember that off the top of my head. Um, Michigan was supposed to play UCLA this year or last year. It may be both. Um, they ended up scrapping that because Michigan wanted to have more home games. Essentially, um, when when the Big Ten, you know, shifted its um, uh, like shifted its conference schedules with COVID. Um, you know, and there was supposed to be a Washington game, a couple, you know, there was a Washington game, there was a home and home that got scrapped, at least the away portion of it during COVID. So, you know, part of it has been schedule wise, like part of it's self-inflicted, part of it's just, you know, the realities of the college football landscape have changed. Um, it's, it's a bummer for fans, honestly. Um, yeah. And you, like, and yeah, you know what? I'm not going to complain, but like, listen, game one, always fun because it's college football's back. You know, there's going to be, there's going to be, you know, the second game could be interesting too, but like, yeah, by the third non-conference game against an opponent, that's going to be a five touchdown underdog. It's like, all right, let's get, let's get to real football already. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've felt that before with Ohio state schedule, even like even years where they do have a, a marquee opponent coming, you know, third or fourth week or whatever it is, just, some of those first games, um, even I, you know, even as a fan watching just college football in general, like you want to get to those conference games, right? Just, just exciting, uh, more exciting. Um, you mentioned that run game that, that didn't really get going last week. In your mind, why wasn't? I mean, I think that's just been so so talked about as okay, Michigan probably has the two best running backs in in the Big Ten, or at least they're in the conversation for it coming into the season. Well, what happened last week for, for Buckeye fans that didn't watch that game that maybe you mentioned stacking the box, but you'd still think Michigan would be able to run. So what, what kind of went down in that game? Yeah. I, I mean, I think there's multiple aspects to it. Um, so number one, um, excuse me, both uh, Blake Horam and Donovan Edwards, the, the two Michigan running backs, uh, both of them were coming off of off season surgeries, off season injury, I mean, injuries, certainly Blake Horam, obviously uh, last November, uh, neither of them really got hit a ton. Uh, during fall camp. I mean, Michigan's running back coach, Mike Hart kind of flat out said, listen, we know what these guys can do in games. So we're not going to expose them to more hits, more wear and tear uh, during fall camp. And I think particularly for, for Blake Corum, like he looked a little bit rusty, you know, he, it looked like he maybe hadn't been hit uh, and he was getting hit for the first time. So I think that's part of it. Um, You know, East Carolina certainly stacked the box. They played a lot of cover zero. They had their safeties lined up very close to the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, they were run blitzing on and on and on, you know, there's a reason why, uh, JJ McCarthy had his best day as a passer. He set a, a program record, in fact, for completion percentage for, right. uh, for someone with 25 or more pass attempts. And the reason for that, uh, at least in part was East Carolina was run blitzing and anytime Michigan ran play action, you know, JJ had a, a guy with a very open throwing window to, to put a ball into, um, and I think that's something that Michigan has to be cognizant of, right? Is that the Big Ten has spent its offseason kind of game planning, stopping Michigan's running game. I, I'm sure it, we've talked about this is that uh, Ohio State needs to be more physical on the lines of scrimmage. You know, it's yeah. all about competition for Ohio State this year. And, and I think you'll see that across the Big Ten is, you know, co- teams evolve, teams realize, you know, teams spend time figuring out how to stop the, you know, the quote unquote top dog, you know, teams are going to be trying to stop Michigan's base running plays uh, and Michigan needs to adapt to that. Uh, And then the final aspect is, you know, Michigan 
while they have talent across the offensive line, um, they are replacing the Remington Trophy winner, the Outland Trophy winner, who is the center, Olu Oluwatimi, um, also replacing their left tackle. You know, Michigan's coaches will tell you that they have four starting caliber uh, tackles, uh, including a couple who are transfer portal pickups. Uh, Michigan coaches have been very excited about the center in Drake Nugent, um, who also an incoming transfer. Uh, but the reality is, is that, you know, you're breaking in two or three new starters on the offensive line. They've been rotating those guys. They've been rotating them throughout fall camp. So I don't think they're fully gelled into what that unit's going to look like. No, they don't even have their starters kind of figured out. And that's, that's one of the benefits, I guess, of having three, you know, quote unquote preseason games. Yeah, that definitely helps. Um, You've mentioned J.J. McCarthy a few times. I think he's one of the more interesting players um, on Michigan's roster from an outside perspective. You saw him a little bit as a freshman. I think last year, obviously, the the numbers look good. I know there were some some ups and downs with him once he won the job. What do you see as kind of his ceiling? I know he was a five-star kid coming out of high school. Um, You know, what what can he become for this program? And how much, if if he becomes that ceiling, does that elevate Michigan's offense? So – I think from a physical perspective, you know, from a talent perspective, you know, JJ McCarthy is a guy who can be a first round draft pick. Um, what that looks like for Michigan depends a lot on, on what Michigan's coaches decide the offense is going to be right. You know, Michigan and, you know, fans across the big 10 saw, saw what Michigan's been for the last two seasons, which is, you know, they're going to run the ball until the run is stopped. And it turns out that most teams couldn't stop the run. So JJ McCarthy never really had to throw the ball. Um, I think there are a few things in JJ's favor uh, coming into this season uh, that portend well for a breakout season. Uh, So number one, you know, last season, he did not enter the 2022 season as Michigan starter, right? Cade McNamara was a starter in week one. He was the guy who took starters reps all throughout spring ball and fall camp. Uh, so JJ McCarthy was, you know, he, he took over the starting job, but he was the backup all throughout practice. Uh, he also was dealing with a shoulder injury last off season uh, that limited his ability to build up rapport with his wide receivers. Uh, so I think some of the, some of the struggles uh, that JJ had last year could probably be attributed to that. Um this year, you know, JJ comes in as a starter. He's been healthy all offseason. Uh, he's got a really close relationship with his quarterback coach, who's a who's a new QB coach in Kirk Campbell. Um, he's the guy who called plays last week uh, as Jim Harbaugh and Sharon Moore were both suspended. Um, and, so, and he, you know, he's gotten bigger. Uh, he's gotten stronger, he says. He says he's gotten faster. We haven't really gotten a chance to see that. Uh, but I, I think Michigan fans kind of expect that in year three of him in the program, year two of him starting, he's had a full off season, both as the number one guy and healthy. Uh, and he's got a quarterback coach who he seems to really vibe with is that he can take that next step of, you know, he's, he's always had all the talent, you know, he's always had the arm strength. He's always had the speed. It's more, you know, the decision-making uh, and, you know, really hitting the deep balls, uh, which, which he really struggled with at times last year. Last thing I want to ask you, and you and I actually talked about this when we were at Big Ten Media Days uh, when we were out for dinner that night, <laughs> covering Jim Harbaugh. Um, I think, you know, definitely from an Ohio State perspective, but you know, the, I think the things that always make headlines are like the oddball things that he says, right? And he's, yeah. he's such an interesting guy. Um, it really stood out to me at Big Ten Media Days and he was talking about, I forget what the question was, but he talked about how, you know, you, you lease a position, right? You don't own it. Mm-hmm. And, like you ha- and the bill comes every month. And I thought that was a really interesting way to put that. Like, if you can't pay the rent, somebody else will, and they'll take your spot. Uh, and I always find some of the stuff he says interesting. There's also the, the kind of strange stuff. It always stands out to me early on in his Michigan tenure uh the interview he did with Colin Cowherd that was just very awkward uh so you you're there on a day-to-day basis what's kind of your thoughts on on what it's been like to cover this guy uh who who obviously has turned things around and and really built this program back up as we were talking about earlier into a, a nationally relevant national championship type of contender 
first, uh, before I answer that question, I think I need to issue a, a correction to myself is that I've been talking about the Michigan, you know, offense and defense. Uh, but the reality is, is that it's all a wee fence, right? Right. right. <laughs> it's a, that, uh, that was, that was this week's, that was this week's quote, no offense, no defense, just a wee fence. Um, which that's, if that, that should be pulled straight out of Ted Lasso like that <laughs> somehow that was like a deleted scene from Ted Lasso. Um, it's, it's fun. You know, it, I I've actually, I've talked to Jim Harbaugh about this myself, right. Is, you know, I've had the good fortune of traveling if, you know, following the Michigan football team as it's taken summer trips. Um, and in those situations, I have a chance to talk one-on-one with Jim Harbaugh, you know, not interviewing him and nice. you know not having him in front of, you know, 20 reporters at a press conference. And it, I think from, from what other, like from what the outside people see, you see someone who is, who's like corny and kind of forced and weird in ways that are like grating and annoying. But I, from, from covering Jim Harbaugh, you know, I, I was there when he stepped foot in Michigan for the first time. Right. And so I've kind of been with that program kind of the whole way and it's just who he is. And that's kind of what you, that's, that's what you learn at the end of it is that he's not saying these things because he's trying to be cute or saying these things because he's trying to be funny. It's just, I don't know if it's that he doesn't realize it's funny. I think that's part of it. He's just a guy who is so heavily invested in football that anything to that end does not strike him as weird. Mm -hmm. Right. Is that if, you know, if the NCAA laws permit, you know, this is the amount of time you're allowed to spend with a recruit, then he's going to maximize the amount of time he's going to spend with that recruit. And, oh, crap, it turns out that that blows up as Jim Harbaugh is having a sleepover at some guy's house. Um, you know, and if it's you know, Jim Harbaugh is wearing his cleats into some goods because he's just always wears his cleats everywhere. And, you know, the the guy, the freshman on on campus last year who Jim Harbaugh was happiest with was a freshman who went to class in his football pads and his tape and his cleats so that he could miss as little time as possible getting onto the practice field. You know, he's just a guy who he's just like kind of all about football in ways that kind of like diminish his like social awareness, if that makes sense, or like the way that he's perceived. Um, And so that makes him, you know, from a coverage perspective, it's a little bit aggravating uh, at times because, you know, he's not, he's not super comfortable at a press conference always. Um, he's not super, you know, friendly or open always, but you know, what you get with him is kind of sincere, even if it comes across as weird, I kind of word vomited a lot there, but it's just, it, it's, it's funny to see the the external reactions to Jim Harbaugh because you do see kind of the frustration and it's, I think part of it's similar to what's going to happen to Deion Sanders is like, there's a lot of oversaturation of a personality. Yeah. Um, and I don't know Dion and I, you know, so, so I can't speak to him, but, but for, for Jim Harbaugh, like it's just, it's just sincerely who he is and it is sincerely a little bit weird. Um, but it's not, it's not an act. It just, it's just him. Makes sense. All right, Alejandro, I've already kept you longer than I said I was going to. So Thank you very much. Next time you're on, um, we'll we'll throw a little soccer talk in there to, to really bore people. All right, I will. Uh, I will bring so many takes about the state of Costa Rican soccer and the Costa Rican national team. I hope you're ready, Bucknuts. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again. I appreciate it. Obviously, a busy time, so I appreciate you taking time out. All right. Peace. We'll talk soon. Thanks again to Alejandro Zanega of our Michigan site, the Michigan Insider, on two four seven Sports. Uh, obviously a rivalry there, right? But uh, they do good work. If you're looking for any insight on Michigan throughout the season, check out Alejandro, Zach, all those guys over there, their work. I think they do a really good job. So that's where you can find Michigan content if you need it. I don't know if you do. Maybe, maybe not. All right. So part of the reason I wanted to talk Michigan this week is because, A, we've been sort of previewing some of these bigger teams. We may we may do some Penn State here in, in a week or so. Um, but also, look, Ohio State plays Youngstown State this week. And I know Buckeye fans weren't overly thrilled with the result, the final score, some of the things that happened 
against Indiana in week one. Uh, but this game should be one of those games, as Steve Hellwagon, my colleague, put it earlier this week, this should be a get-right game. Whatever you want to call it, uh, this game should be one that Ohio State wins pretty comfortably, and everyone should come out feeling pretty good afterwards, right? If they don't, we're going to have a very different conversation next week, um, and you know th- there may be more concerns. But because of that, I didn't think we need to dive too much into Youngstown State, but I do want to talk about what the Buckeyes need to do coming off of that week one win in week two against a team that you should just defeat handedly because of the talent discrepancy and FCS opponent, um, what they need to do to have us all feeling good coming out of that, that week, you know, after this, there's only one game between Ohio state's game with Notre Dame at Notre Dame uh, in a few weeks. So you want to start to build some, some good habits, uh, get some positivity going, if nothing more, and, you know, kind of fix some things that weren't great against Indiana and enhance the things that were good because you obviously know you're going to face bigger challenges along the way, right? Um, and before I get into those, reminder, if you have questions about the Buckeyes, if you're watching this on the live stream, throw those into the chat here. I'll try and answer some of those at the end. And we will also do a quick new segment that I'm going to try and do weekly, um, at the end of this too. So something else that, uh, you know, I think, I think will be interesting, but the first thing I think is, is the most obvious when it comes to Ohio state this week. And it's starting to get some sense of what's going on with the quarterbacks, right? You know that they're going to play both guys, or at least that's what they said coming out of week one. Um, that was the plan in week one, frankly. And we didn't see much of Devin Brown, only six snaps. He attempted three passes. It, it wasn't the performance that we thought where maybe it was almost going to be like a, a split between the two. Um, I personally expected Kyle McCord to play the majority of the snaps, but I definitely expected Devin Brown to play more. So this week, I also expect Devin Brown to play more. How many? We did, uh, if you haven't seen it, we, we started this new thing on Bucknuts. We're doing over-unders for each week's game, and, and one of them this week was Devin Brown, 25 snaps. I picked the over. I don't know if I feel great about that, and and not bec- more so because I think Ohio State will be up big and will roll, and then you get you know Tristan Jebbia and maybe even freshman Lincoln Keinholz into the game. Um, but you, you definitely need to see more from Devin Brown in this game, and you need to let him run the offense – not just hand the ball off twice and have, have a quarterback um, run that, that was pretty easy to, to snuff out by Indiana. So I think you gotta, you've got to see both quarterbacks, um, and you want to feel good about both quarterbacks. I think heard all offseason, I've talked about it. I know other people have talked about it, that there's a feeling among the Ohio State coaches, the Ohio State players, that they can win with either guy, that both guys talented. Well, you want to see that if you're a Buckeye fan, right? You want to feel, okay, if we go into that Notre Dame game and both guys end up playing for whatever reason, they're going to be fine. And, you know, just like Kyle McCord can do it, Devin Brown can do it. Maybe it doesn't look exactly the same. And, yes, it's Youngstown State, but, look, I went and I saw Devin Brown and Kyle McCord both make some really nice throws, put the ball on the money. I saw, you know, Devin Brown scramble for a nice gain. Like, those type of things should happen against Youngstown State. You should be able to do that. You want to get them comfortable. Now, how they do it, I think, is going to be very interesting. And I think it was kind of the, the dilemma Ryan Day found himself in. Dilemma Ryan Day, frankly, has is, is kind of put himself in by going this direction with, with not naming a starter. You have to figure out when to get the other guy in the game. And, you know, they weren't going to go series by series. They didn't have a set plan. Now, Ryan Day did say, you know, maybe the third and the sixth series, if things went, but his, his gut told him, you know, Kyle McCord needed to get into more of a rhythm. So, you know, you, you can understand a little bit of that with the way that game played out. But you also, you, you need to figure out a way to get both these guys in, let both these guys run the first team offense. Um, so you, you know what you've got in game situations. And if you're Ohio State fans, you want to see that play out. Um, that's, that's, I think, priority number one in this game. Um, and then priority 1B and, and maybe even in my mind, a bigger one is this offensive line should dominate this game. Um, they, they just, there's no reason to think that, that there should be issues. 
they say that the biggest jump you make usually is from week one to week two during a co- excuse my dog here college football season. Um, the offensive line needs to make a jump. Now they've got film. They've got ways that uh, they can. Yeah, they they give, they've got things that they saw on film that they can look at and kind of develop from, learn from. Um, you need to see a step taken, especially against what is clearly an inferior opponent. Um, you know, a guy like Josh Simmons, he played well at San Diego State last year, right? So now he needs to show that next step. Um, he, he looked okay against a Big Ten team last, last week. Indiana does some different things that, that are interesting. Tom Allen's always, always brought some pressure in interesting ways. And even good Ohio state offensive linemen have had some, some struggles with that. I wasn't pleased entirely with what Josh Simmons showed at left tackle, but you need, you need to see him take a step, right? Um, You need to see Carson Hinsman take a step. I thought it was good that he played well enough in terms of snapping the ball and things like that. There were no mistakes there. That's a good start for a first time starting center, a guy who's playing his first football, but you know, some of the communication, some of the blocking stuff he can still improve on. Josh Fryer was the only guy who graded out as champion, but I think he can still play better there. I thought Matthew Jones played pretty well. Donovan Jackson was actually the guy that surprised me the most that did not play as well as I expected him to. Um, I think that you know, from a guy who was all Big Ten last year, you thoroughly expect him to to play better, and that's got to be the case in this game for sure, playing against a young South State team. So, I think you got to come out of this game feeling, okay, this offensive line is, has made a step, taken a step, right? You can't just, you know, it can't be like a slow build from last week. This is a, an, an inferior opponent, more so than Indiana is, just in terms of pure talent. You should be able to handle whatever Youngstown State throws at you. Um, and, they, you know, this offensive line, I think you need to, this offensive line, this starting five needs to look good, or else I'm going to have some more. Um, some more questions about a group that I already have a lot of questions about. I think you also, you know, and this goes hand in hand with the quarterback play. You want to feel good about the receivers that you felt good about coming into the season. Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka, two of the most talented receivers in the country. They combined for uh, five receptions for 34 yards. That's not good enough. No, certainly not. Now there were some reasons for that. Obviously um, if you know, you, Indiana tried to take Marvin Harrison Jr. away. Those are the guys they're focusing on. I get all that. Um, but you you have to find ways to get those guys the ball. And it shouldn't be that complicated against teams like this. If we're talking about Penn State, if we're talking about, you know, insert some of the bigger challenges down the road for Ohio State, um, if we're talking about those teams and, and they're starting to take those guys away, then fine. I, I can see that. And then you need your other guys to step up, like Cade Stover and Julian Fleming did. But if we're talking about Indiana, we're talking about Youngstown State. You know, these are games where they should put up big numbers. This is what this is what top receivers do, and you know, some of that when it comes to Marvin Harrison, you know, who was targeted eight times. They, you know, there there were some off throws. Um, you know, there's a pass interference call. Obviously, his numbers look better if that touchdown catch. He doesn't go out of bounds beforehand, which Ryan Day said this week that the big 10 officials told them shouldn't have been a penalty because he was pushed apparently enough to, to not draw flag though. I thought he had time to a avoid going out of bounds and B get back in bounds quicker, but I'm no official, but you just, you need these guys. And, and it doesn't even have to be a huge day because they shouldn't be in the game all that long, but it certainly should be a better performance than it was a week ago. And you know, that, that has to happen. Defensive side of the ball I think things were pretty good. Um, I think that, you, you know, Indiana obviously didn't challenge Ohio State much. They didn't do much in the way of throwing the ball until the fourth quarter when they did most of their passing. But you, you still need to build on what you were able to do. And I think assuming that Youngstown State doesn't adopt the, the Indiana offense of, of triple option, I think you want to see more pressure put on the quarterback. Now, Jim Knowles was fairly happy with, uh, the defensive line and what they were able to do given the offense they were facing. Uh, he talked about, you know, especially the interior of the defensive line, the way they shut down some of the run stuff that Indiana wanted to do. And, and I do think that's a positive. So build on that, get more pressure on the quarterback and drop that, drop back passing situations. J- 
JT Tumla and Jack Sawyer need to be dominant this year. It's just a fact. Um, you know, they don't have to be the best in the country, but they need to be significantly better. So I think you want to see more of that in a game where you're playing an offensive line that you should be able to, to do a lot against. I thought the linebacker play was very solid last week. The, the secondary wasn't really tested. So I don't know if Youngstown State has the, the horses to test them in, in a way that, you know, we'll, we'll be this game being like, wow, Denzel Burke looks like an All-American and what a transfer Davis and Igbenosin was and, and those type of things. But I certainly think that this is a team that should throw the ball a little bit more, which means, okay, are you in the right positions? Are you making the plays when they're there? And we saw a little bit of that. I thought Denzel Burke, when he was targeted, did that. I would have liked to see a little bit more from Davis and Igbenosin. I think he allowed uh, the most catches of the starting three quarterbacks, cornerbacks, excuse me, for the most yards. So you would like to just, just see them be in the right positions, you know, turning their head when they're supposed to knocking balls down. Hey, how about an interception, right? We haven't seen one of those from a cornerback and Ohio state cornerback since 2021. This would be a good time to kind of get off on the right footing and, you know, have a, have an interception, force a turnover, whatever it may be. Um, you have this opportunity this week. I think uh, the safety play, I think was was pretty good. I, I want to see kind of how it looks again this week, especially at that adjuster position. Josh Proctor started the game, played into the second half. I think he played through the first series of the second half. And then Malik Hartford came in, played the rest of the game. Freshman, thought he played well. Um, for both of them, I think it's important to have good second games. And if Jihad Carter can work his way back in, he didn't play at all against Indiana, a guy that I think most of us thought would be the starter at at least one of these safety spots. Um, but I think it's important at least for Proctor and Hartford to build on those. You know, Josh Proctor has not had the best luck early in seasons. Last couple of years broke his leg in 2021 in that Oregon game in week two. And then obviously last, last year was uh, benched after that opening series when Notre Dame hit the big play on his mistake and kind of never really recovered from that. Lathan Ransom took over at the bandit position. So, you know, can, if you're Josh Proctor, can you build on what was a pretty solid first game? If you're Malik Hartford, can you build on what was a pretty solid debut? I think those are, those are important for, you know, confidence at the very least going forward here. And, um, you know, just, just knowing that this defense is moving in the right direction. Again, none of these things should be a challenge for Ohio state. You should be comfortably winning. I thought it was, Really interesting as we're driving back from Indiana last weekend, last Sunday, listening to to college sports radio on Sirius XM, you know, Ohio State's getting docked from winning by 20 points on the road against a conference opponent, but you're getting credit for what Washington did against, uh, I think it was Portland State, or, you know, the, these schools that, like Youngstown State this week, don't offer much. I mean, Oregon puts up 81 points, you know, like, some of these schools were putting up huge numbers against nobody. That's what Ohio state should do this week. And look, I don't think Ohio state should get a ton of credit if they do that. Now, if they don't, then I think we, again, we're having a different conversation next week, but if this is a 50 point game, which I don't think is, is out of the question for most people at this point, you know, you're not going to get a ton of credit for it, but you want to see things continue to go in a positive direction when you're playing teams that you know, you should be. And now you have week one to build off of, I think it's important. All of those things I talked about, and I think you can go, you know, I didn't even mention the running backs continuing to see how that rotation plays out. Um, you know, Chip Trainum was, was the best of the group, no doubt last week. You know, does that change things in terms of the pecking order? He was the second guy in the game after Travian Henderson, Travian Henderson, I continue to say has the most talent on the team, but the production just simply hasn't been there. So does that change anything? I'll be interested to see that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, as much as this game could be over after, you know, a quarter and a half or, or something along those lines, I think there are still some pretty interesting things, especially on the offensive side of the ball, but on the defense as well, that, uh, you know, need to happen for Ohio State, for Buckeye fans to feel good going into to week three and obviously week four when you go to Notre Dame. So take a quick drink here. Cheers. On to this new segment I want to do, and this is nothing uh, original. I've seen a lot of, um, seen this used TV, radio, podcast before, but basically what I'm calling this, what you'll be reading. And basically the idea here is 
kind of what uh, what will be the headline the story when when you you know Saturday afternoon Saturday evening after we get done with with media availability following the game or Sunday morning a lot of times will be the case what you'll be reading um, and it'll just be one kind of headline topic that I think will come out of this game going forward um, and I think this week it's going to be the the Marvin Harrison bounce back game and I touched on it a little bit earlier he finished last week's game with two catches for 18 yards despite eight targets again could have been better if he stays in bounds uh, he got interfered with on one play uh, there certainly could have been some throws that that were put more on the money uh, that would have made his day look better. But to me, that's going to be the story coming out of this one. I think he has not a huge day because, again, I don't think he's going to be in the game. I think if things go to, according to plan, maybe he doesn't even play in the second half because, you know, what do you need Marvin Harrison to, to prove in the second half of a blowout game. No, get, get these other receivers in there. Get the young guys in. Let Carnell Tate get into a rhythm, those type of guys. Um, but I do think he could have something like five or six catches for 80, 90, maybe even, you know, if he has a big play, 100 yards and two touchdowns. And all of a sudden, you know, we're putting last week behind us. Regardless of who the quarterback is throwing those passes, it's like, all right, you know, there's nothing to worry about with Marvin Harrison Jr. Not that I think anyone's worried about him now, but I did see a lot of talk this week about, you know, could this offense affect Marvin Harrison Jr. if it doesn't, um, you know, click in the gear. And frankly, I think most D1 power five quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks could, could Marvin Harrison look at just getting the ball in his vicinity. So I'm not worried about that. If it's Kyle McCord, if it's Devin Brown, I think coming out of this week's game, people are going to feel a lot better and, and on Saturday night, Sunday morning, whenever it is, you're, you're reading the headlines on Bucknuts, seeing Marvin Harrison bounces back, big day versus Penguins. Maybe there's a better headline there. I'm not good at headlines, but something you get what I'm saying. Something along those lines. I think he is uh, he is due here. Certainly, think he'll be motivated. I think Ohio State will you know, want to get him the ball. And I think in a home game against an FCS school, you know, maybe last week, yeah, you targeted him eight times, but. Maybe next week you will feel, you know, maybe this week, I'm sorry, you can, okay, we're going to get the ball to Marvin. Let's, let's get him some stats. Let's get this kind of rolling, you know, guy who people have talked about for the Heisman. In a game on the road against Indiana, maybe you don't feel as comfortable of taking some of those risks or whatnot to, to force things and you take what's there. This week, I think it's going to be different. He has a good game. Numbers look good. People feel good about him going into next week. All right, we've only got a couple couple questions I've seen so far. If you have any more, if you're still watching this live with us, if you have any more, throw them in the chat here. I'll try and answer a few before we get out of here. But uh, Nick Williams asked earlier on, has there been any more that has come out about Brian Hartline calling the plays? Uh, only in the sense that he is not calling them as of right now. And look, he's involved. He's on the headset. He's talking, you know, he's involved in the, the pregame stuff. He's involved on the game day, you know, during the game, all that. Um, but from my understanding, you know, it's still Ryan Day handling the final decision on play calls, at least right now. Um, maybe that's not true every single play. Maybe if Ohio State, you know, certain situations, maybe they, they let Hartline do some play calling and, and things like that. But for for the vast majority of things, it's Ryan, the Ryan Day show still. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Look, if Kirk Herbstreet doesn't mention in the Rose Bowl pregame show or the, the whatever it was where he mentioned that Ryan Day was considering, remember, considering giving up play calling, I don't think this is a topic of conversation. Um, I think it was a bigger topic of conversation when you had a guy like Kevin Wilson who had called plays before at a high level on the staff. You know, if, if Ryan Day doesn't bring it up, are people suggesting that Ryan Day give up play calling to Brian Hartline, who's literally never done it before? I don't think so. Even if you're frustrated with Ryan Day's play calling, you know, it's only one game back to the Georgia game where I think most people would agree Ryan Day called a pretty damn good game and he's got, you know, a pretty good track record of that. So, you know, does Hartline call plays down the road, maybe later this season, maybe next season? Yeah, I think that's that's the idea is, you know, you slowly work them in, especially, and I've said this a lot, especially because you've got a new quarterback. You've got a new offensive line. 
You don't want to add another new ingredient into that mix unless you have to. And right now you don't have to. You have Ryan Day who built his reputation on developing quarterbacks, calling plays. And so, yeah, I, I, I think there's going to be opportunities for Brian Hartline to continue to grow in that department. I think he's learning a lot right now. He obviously got to do some stuff in the offseason, spring practice when they scrimmage, the spring game, the scrimmages that Ohio State had before the season. But right now, look, it, it wouldn't make sense to, to move that on from Ryan Day, given kind of the situation Ohio State's in, at least in my mind. We'll see. Um, Anthony Lightfoot grade the coach's performance last week. Um, I won't go coach by coach just so I don't bore you, but kind of overall offensively, you know, B minus. Um, I don't think, you know, you go to Indiana and only score 23 points and feel like that was a, a great coaching performance. I think, you know, there was obviously some reasons that they were a bit more conservative with the new offensive line, um, a new quarterback, all that. I think that, you know, you can understand that, but that doesn't mean that they always put themselves in the best position. I think some of the run plays were strangely called the quarterback draw with Kyle McCord. Well, if it works, we're talking about how great it was. That's not a guy who runs the ball a lot. Defensively, um, well, I will say I liked what they did with the running backs, and I think Tony Alford did a good job there. Um, you know, I still think offensive line, they need to be better, frankly, and, and that's on Justin Fry, and that'll continue. And then defensively, I think everything was was pretty solid. Um, you know, overall, while Indiana didn't test them a ton, I would say like A minus, B plus. Um, and with an opportunity to see that grade continue to grow up, go up, excuse me, as the the challenges get higher and, and whatnot, get more difficult. Um, so, you know, it, it was an opener. And I think a lot of times in openers, you don't grade out great. Uh, you would like to have both sides A plus, every coach A plus, all that players grading out as champion just doesn't always happen. Right. Um, and that's, some, you know, you look around the country, I, you don't have to look far Clemson Duke. I know Duke's a better team than, than Indiana and whatnot, but you go on the road, you, you find a way to win. And I think there is something to that. I know that's kind of coach speak, but um, you know, I, I do think that, that in, from that perspective, they did what they set out to do. Could the coaching be better? Absolutely. Um, should it be better this week? Absolutely against a team like Youngstown State. So uh, I hope that answers that question. All right, we're going to wrap this one up. I want to thank Alejandro for our jumping on from our Michigan 247 sports site. If you missed any of that, go back. He, he discussed kind of where the Wolverines are as kind of we look at some of these marquee opponents that are coming for Ohio State before we really get into those down the road. Thank him for coming on. And I think we had a good little chat here about what the Buckeyes need to get accomplished this week. Uh, despite being, you know, I assume I haven't seen the numbers. I know they didn't have odds out for a while. Um, 40 plus, I have to imagine point favorites. So we'll be there on Saturday. Stay tuned for our coverage throughout the game. Um, there'll still be more stuff on Bucknuts Friday afternoon, evening, um, high noon kickoff. So early morning for us, which, you know, gets the day done, but we'll be there. Watch out for Dave after, as soon as the game ends, he will be, right back here doing um, the what we learned live. Steve and I will jump on that once we're done in the post game. So check that out and stay tuned for Buck Nuts. Please like, subscribe on wherever you get your podcasts, like our YouTube page. It all helps us out and we appreciate that. And uh, we'll see you on Saturday, Buckeye fans. Cheers. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 